After a sustained period of high inflation, major price indices around the globe have peaked and South Africa seems to be following the global trend. So what does this mean for interest rates and the rent? This is No Ordinary Wednesday, our in-depth look at what's driving markets, shaping the economy and changing the game. I'm Lenya Rosillo, the producer of this show, and I'm standing in for our regular host, Jeremy Max. To discuss what the next few months look like for inflation and the currency, I'm joined by Investec Chief Economist Annabel Bishop. Annabel, welcome back to No Ordinary Wednesday. Annabel, I believe congratulations are in order. You've just been named the best inflation forecaster for South Africa in the 2023 Focus Economics Analyst Focus Awards. You are therefore best placed to tell us where inflation is going in the next 6 to 12 months. Thank you, Lenyara. We think it's going lower, and of course that's good news. In fact, falling inflation, which is disinflation, means that your price increase is happening at a less rapid rate. And that's really what's happening globally and domestically as well. We expect to continue to see disinflation or falling rates of inflation, both in the United States and in South Africa. And of course that obviously does bolster um, financial market sentiment. For South Africa, of course, we saw our inflation peak in the middle of last year, essentially in July. It did fall back a bit. But then, of course, at the start of this year, we saw higher inflation again. That really comes through from the RAND substantial weakness, both on fuel prices. And, of course, we are key importers of petroleum products and, of course, as well, the translation effect of on food prices because South Africa's food prices are essentially priced on global markets on US dollar basis. So all of that did see that bit of a rise at the start of the year. But from now onwards, we think in general, we'll see a downwards inflation trend. We think inflation will be back within target next year. Can we attribute this to the aggressive rate hikes by the Reserve Bank over the past couple of years, or are there larger global factors at play? So essentially what we're seeing is base effects coming into play. And really a year ago, inflation was still rising. And of course, that was on the back of higher commodity prices, increasing commodity prices. Now, of course, commodity prices are significantly down year on year. And, of course, that creates a base effect. It helps inflation fall quite substantially. But also, of course, as well, we do have low demand in the South African economy. And, of course, our inflation itself was actually rising. And that, again, is a base effect translation. So all of that really means that it's very supportive of lower inflation going forward. We always are at risk of some months seeing a surprise, slightly different print to what was expected, either higher or lower. But the trend going forward is very much likely to be one of disinflation. And what about food price inflation at consumer level? That has proved sticky despite a notable easing in global food prices. Why is this the case? You know, that's a very good question. We have both the problem of load shedding and, of course, that means higher self-generation costs for retailers. They didn't get relief in the budget like the manufacturers of food did because of the higher diesel usage that obviously comes in with self-generation. Of course, your retailers do need to provide refrigeration and freezing for food. You don't want the food going bad, but nevertheless, sometimes it does. That also adds to costs as well, wastage and spoilage. We really find ourselves in a situation where the retailers, in fact, haven't even passed through those full costs yet into the South African economy. But more importantly, you know, our RAND saw very substantial weakness this year. We, of course, are now in June 
and we are only, of course, seeing the May inflation figures. So that is not going to reflect the recovery of the RAND in June. But if we have a look at the start of the year, you know, the run up towards the 20 RAND to the US dollar that we experienced a few weeks ago, that very substantial RAND weakness does substantially push up the price of food. If you get, in other words, a 20% depreciation in the RAND against the US dollar, but you get a 10% drop in global food prices, you still are essentially looking at a 10% rise domestically because your RAND depreciates so much against the dollar. And that is the big problem in South Africa. You know, we, we need to understand that negative sentiment towards South Africa, whether it's because of our relationship with Russia that's perceived to perhaps be too close or other factors, does obviously have an impact because the bulk of financial market players tend to be in the Western Hemisphere. They tend to obviously negatively impact South Africa's financial markets and our currency as a consequence from a sentiment issue. So we really have obviously found a situation where we did see very substantial RAND weakness as a consequence of those issues around certain um, events and activities with South Africa's relationship to Russia. But looking forwards, of course, what has seen the RAND pull back quite a lot has both been the expectation that the US will pause in its interest rate hike cycle or we will not see further hikes, but also, of course, as well, the fact that South Africa is looking to move the BRICS summit and obviously do an investigation to whether we did really sell arms to Russia or not. All of these factors have an impact on the RAND, which in turn has an impact on inflation. The Reserve Bank itself says that the pass-through from RAND weakness to inflation is much higher than it has been historically. I want us to get into more detail around the BRICS summit and more detail on the RAND and the outlook for the RAND. But I just want to touch on oil prices. The moderation in U.S. consumer inflation has been attributed in part to lower fuel prices. Can South Africans look forward to a fuel price cut anytime soon? So we have also had some benefit as well. But again, you know, we have to pay U.S. dollars to get petroleum products, to get oil. And of course, the worry really is that when the rand is very weak, that makes those dollars very, very expensive. And in fact, when you actually have a look at the incoming likely change to the petrol or diesel price for the month, it's dependent both on the US dollar rand exchange rate and, of course, as well, the actual oil prices or petroleum product prices. In fact, South Africa doesn't produce significant diesel and petrol, so we have to import it. And that's really what petroleum products are. But essentially, um, you know, what's contained in that basket, essentially, we, we find ourselves now in a situation where, because of the very substantial rand's weakness, we actually lost out on a bigger petrol price cut that we could have had. So, of course, that's really the concern going forward. So, South Africa does not pull back on its relationship with Russia and we actually find ourselves hosting President Putin physically in South Africa for the BRICS summit with a lot of work potentially being done to move it to China or elsewhere and we don't obviously arrest President Putin if he does come to South Africa. South Africa would see a absolutely enormous collapse in the RAND which would then see very substantially higher petrol prices and higher inflation. On the other hand if we see the RAND strengthen substantially further then of course you tend to see lower fuel prices. So that really is the relationship that we have there but Petroleum products do remain our largest import for South Africa. We haven't managed to utilize the fines off the coast that apparently we have. And um, as a consequence, that really has a significant impact on inflation as well. Moving to interest rates, the U.S. Federal Reserve left U.S. interest rates unchanged last week. Is this just a pause or a solid stop to the rate hike cycle? 
So we actually think it's probably going to be a halt. It's definitely a pause. And of course, you know, that cheered financial markets significantly and allowed the RAND to see quite a bit of strength against the dollar. But let's bear in mind the dollar actually weakened as well, which is what obviously aided the currency. But if we do have a look at the next few months, we think that what the United States is doing is that it's talking the talk. It's talking a hawkish talk and implying that we could see further interest rate hikes, but at the same time is unlikely to deliver them. The reason why they're doing that is to try and stop markets from thinking, okay, that's the end of the rate hike cycle now and seeing even for consumers significant inflationary forces um, come through, which then prevent this lower inflation trend that is being hoped for. So by actually, in a way, scaring markets and making them think that there could be further interest rate hikes, that actually puts some cap on market exuberance and can actually pull back some of the inflationary pressures. That's quite an important point. However, on an actual basis, we think we've probably seen the last interest rate hike in the current cycle, both in the United States and in South Africa, unless, of course, something else changes. But at the moment, we feel that the communications from the Fed are extremely hawkish, which means, you know, very pro further interest rate hikes, but possibly unlikely or quite unlikely to deliver on them. And you just spoke about local interest rates. With the MPC meeting scheduled in July, could we finally see a decrease? No, I think it's too soon. <laughs> so I think that's one of the reasons why the Fed is really talking up the chance of further rate hikes. So markets don't think there's going to be any cuts next quarter. And of course, you know, that's the July to the September period where the if you look at the implied Fed funds futures, they are still focusing on the possibility of one more 25 basis point hike. Where the Fed fund futures do start to look for an interest rate cut is really in the fourth quarter. But again, we think that's probably too early. We would say that really perhaps only next year, early next year, we would potentially see an interest rate cut in the US and in South Africa. We'll continue this important conversation in a moment. I'd just like to remind you that if you're enjoying this show, please take a moment to rate our channel, Investec Focus Radio Essay, on your podcast channel of choice. And Annabelle, how far is the pendulum likely to swing and what would disinflation mean for the local and global economy? So I think we're only likely to see inflation in South Africa reach the midpoint of the inflation target in the second half of 2024. Unless we are lucky and we see very substantial RAND strength before that or other factors which would pull it lower, it's unlikely to be the case that we actually get to the midpoint of the target before that. And of course, that's what disinflation is. It's falling inflation. Our latest print, you know, is just above 6%. And of course, you know, we expect it to drop down to 4.5% when we obviously get to the midpoint of the target. And that's the midpoint of the 3 to 6% inflation target range. And that really implies that we still have quite a bit to go. However, we think that by the end of this year, South Africa's inflation rate will actually reach 5%. And that's important because, you know, that's that already is significant progress made. I think, you know, globally, inflation is also expected to fall off over a similar um, trajectory. And here, particularly, we look at the United States. In fact, financial markets have actually improved recently from a sentiment perspective. They believe there could be a greater chance of a soft landing. So the soft landing is both the United States and the global economy. That then is a positive factor because it obviously would mean less risk aversion in global financial markets and it would then in turn be supportive of the RAND. When there is a lot of risk aversion in global financial markets, you tend to see emerging market currencies weaken and that is because of safe haven flows into the US. However, recently the Institute of International Finance, IIF, has actually come out quite strongly in support of a soft landing as well for the global economy and the United States. And of course, that really then means that there's less chance of recession 
and of course also again supportive of a generally improved financial market environment which in turn means that we would see financial flows into EMs portfolio assets bonds and equities and those purchases of those financial assets tend to strengthen those currencies which would be supportive of the rand and therefore supportive of inflation as well. Speaking of the rand you have spoken in detail about what led to the disastrous start to June when the rand nearly hit the 20 rand mark. The rand is now showing signs of strengthening. What's driving this? There were both allegations from the United States that South Africa had loaded arms onto a Russian ship, as we all know, and that caused the rand to sag somewhat. Last Friday, we saw the rand at 17 85 to the US dollar. It's back above 18 this week because obviously of concerns about the closeness of the relationship there. So all of those factors do tend to result in negative sentiment towards South Africa. The Institute of International Finance has picked up on it as well, as have um, many other international bodies and commentators. So this is really a problem for South Africa from a sentiment perspective. But looking forwards, we obviously have seen a pause in the US interest rate hike cycle and we expect, I think many Many other market commentators do as well. That is probably going to be the last hike in the cycle. That means the United States has reached its terminal interest rate. And the same really applying for South Africa. That in itself is cheering and, of course, would be supportive of the domestic currency. We really do find ourselves in a situation where South Africa remains very, very beholden on what happens in international financial markets. And that's really been the big cause for the pullback in the RAND recently. If we continue to see an improvement in sentiment, the currency could continue to gain into the 17 RAND bracket against the US. You mentioned our foreign policy stance as a key factor here. Agoa is one of our important trade benefits. And with the West concerned about our relationship with Russia, could you just lay it out for us what South Africa stands to lose if we were to be excluded from Agoa? Yes, I think the important point to understand about AGOA or the African Growth Opportunity Act is that it is a legislative act in the United States. It's law. And they can actually choose whether to apply it or not. They can actually push South Africa out. In fact, some countries graduate out of a go because it is for sub-Saharan countries and for poorer countries. Now, South Africa obviously is more of a middle-income country. And from that perspective, we are deemed no longer to be applicable for a go. Then that would be one way of moving out of it. However, I think that we've actually become less of a middle-income country than we used to be. So that would be a less likely route. What we instead find is that a go, being a legislative act in the United States, it's non-reciprocal. We don't provide any benefit to the US. It's purely a benefit for South Africa. It reduces a trade barrier for South African goods to go into the United States. It's not bilateral trade either. It's a one direction. It's the United States giving us a benefit of access to their markets with less tariffs. And what we really find is that if we lose the ability to be part of AGOA and not receive these benefits, then that obviously makes our exports more expensive going into the United States. That makes them less attractive. You could find buyers seeking to perhaps look at alternatives. And for our vehicle manufacturing industry, that would be very damaging. But there's also a broader impact as well. We would look at risking, or well, we are at risk now, but we'd look at losing the AGOA benefits if we find ourselves in a situation where the United States does believe that we are more supportive of Russia than we should be. And they have already indicated that a couple of times, both a special assistant to the president in the US and also as well some key legislators. So really where we, where we do find ourselves at the moment is that we could also then be at risk of broader sanctions 
And that is a, a key problem for South Africa. So sanctions have already been applied to Russia if we find that Europe, the US, does um, apply sanctions to South Africa. And as I said, if they're broader sanctions, if they include many countries, that would be very problematic, especially if they're extremely harsh sanctions and they cut off our trade. 40% of our trade really goes to the West. We do have trade which goes to Africa. And of course, we do have trade that goes to China. But if we look at the amount of trade that we have with Russia, that is only around 0.2%. So there's no benefit for South Africa from a trade perspective to increase its relationship with Russia. And in fact, all the benefits lie instead with increasing and improving its relationship with Western countries such as Europe, the United States and the UK. Well, with the spotlight firmly on South Africa, do you think President Ramaphosa's African peace mission has made any difference? I think there are some concerns about the peace mission, particularly the inclusion of Russia. The president did, of course, visit Ukraine, and that obviously will be seen positively, but simultaneously as well included a visit to Russia in his trip. I think that we do need to bear in mind that the relationship in BRICS occurred long before, obviously, the Russian-Ukraine war did, and that China and India and Russia, Brazil, of course, are really in a legal relationship. They're in a supportive um, relationship. And it is difficult to suddenly pull out or retreat from that. So I think, you know, working around that is quite important. But on the other hand, because of the number of other aspects, South Africa is now under much greater scrutiny than it was before for its geopolitical leanings and unfortunately has been found wanting. And it really does seem as though currently South Africa is quite at risk, quite potentially could lose its AGOA benefits. Obviously, those are going to be reassessed as we move into the course of next year. But we've really lost the ability to host the AGOA summit with the US saying that it does not believe that we should do so. This is not necessarily official communication, but it's certainly coming out from key individuals who will make that decision. So this is where South Africa finds itself at the moment, that it is likely to obviously have a weakening effect on our economy and therefore on economic activity, on job creation, if we do not start to be more careful with our diplomacy and our international relations. And those are the consequences we do not need in the country. Annabelle, to wrap it up, I just want to ask you, for South Africans, at this point, South Africans are arguably more desperate than ever for good news. Can you give us any silver linings to the dark cloud we currently find ourselves in? Absolutely, Eleniara. We've had lower levels of load shedding. And of course, we do feel sorry for the Cape Tonians experiencing truly horrible weather. But one of the reasons for that is, of course, the fact that the wind turbines are operating extremely well, given the very, very strong winds we're seeing from the Cape's cold front, which has contributed very substantially to lower load shedding, according to um, communications coming from Eskom. But also, of course, as well, the fact that apparently the winter months are more conducive to coal-fired electricity production as it obviously provides natural cooling for the power stations, less rain as well, which does then not damage the um, coal making its way to the power stations. Of course, as well, as is typical in the winter period, South Africa does reduce its maintenance quite substantially. It has less power producing units out because obviously they try and do the maintenance in summer when demand for electricity is down. So all of these factors have contributed to lower stages of load shedding. But let's not forget as well that our electricity minister, Ramachopa, has actually made great strides. He is now coming through saying that there is actually a huge criminal element working inside and outside Eskom, which is damaging and destroying the ability for electricity production in South Africa. And of course, 
getting quite substantial support to try and crack down on that criminal activity as well, which she said has contributed to a couple of uh, stages of load shedding. So we do not know what's going on behind the scenes, but certainly working very hard to crack down all of that would also reduce load shedding stages as well. So I think it's come as a good time as the weather gets much worse, but it does show that South Africa has the ability to get on top of load shedding. But really what I wanted to say particularly as well is that over the next three years or so, we could have up to 18,000 megawatts of renewable energy coming online, which would really help to further reduce stages of load shedding down to very low levels. The amount of renewable energy plans and projects in the pipeline, and that might be at over a 10-year period, is actually at about 66,500 megawatts, which would completely eliminate any need for load shedding if all of that obviously comes through, and instead as well would actually give us surplus electricity. And of course, there are also strong plans to build South Africa's transmission lines and improve them so we can actually get this renewable energy from where it's produced onto the grid as well. And that, of course, is very positive. So certainly over the next several years, we should really see a big drop in load shedding in South Africa, which is very positive for South Africa and economic activity. Simultaneously with the partner initiative between business and government, led by Saul Ramaphosa and top business people in South Africa, they are also looking both to try and, as we said, reduce load shedding and eliminate it, but also get Transnet back online, improve its capacity massively, particularly our rail and ports to obviously substantially lift production in South Africa. And their third focus of this government private business sector initiative is to reduce crime very substantially in South Africa. And we can all be sure they'll be looking very closely to try and reduce this terrible criminal aspect at ESCIMP, which has been very damaging as well. So all of these factors are timely, or perhaps they should have happened a lot earlier. But I think, you know, having successes in those three areas would certainly lead to a desire to continue working and improve other areas of South African economy. So no, I don't think all hope is lost. In fact, I actually think that's a very hopeful situation. And of course, you know, working strongly together, the government and private sector in South Africa will actually improve things quite dramatically, hopefully, if this initiative works out. So that that's really where we find ourselves. You know, we don't have a very negative outlook on South Africa. doesn't mean that this year won't have a bad impact on growth from load shedding. But looking forwards, and hopefully if we do improve our geopolitical relationship, and uh, leanings, then we could actually see lifted economic growth and certainly out towards 3% in five years' time. Annabelle, thank you so much for joining me in this episode of No Ordinary Wednesday. Please join us again in a fortnight as we continue to explore money trends shaping your world. If you haven't yet added us to your podcast feed, search for Investec Focus Radio Essay wherever you get your podcasts and hit that subscribe button. Till next time, farewell from me, Linyaro Sillo, and the rest of the Focus Radio team. The views expressed are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily represent the views of the firm and should not be taken as advice or recommendations. Investec Limited and subsidiaries, authorized financial service providers, registered credit providers, and long-term insurer.